0: As I go into a time of the word, I need, I want you guys to all turn with me to the book of 1 John. Turn with me to the book of 1 John. Turn with me to the book of 1 John, chapter 2, 16 to 18. 1 John, chapter 2, 16 to 18. Are you there? 1 John, chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. As per usual, I'll be reading from the new... King James Version. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. If you are there with me, do let me know. 1 John chapter 16. So, verse John chapter 2, sorry, verse 16 through to 18. Cool. And it says as follows. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this morning for a time to dive into your word. I thank you for a time this morning just to explore your word with the saints around the world. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, as we go into your word, I pray that ears will be open, eyes will be open, and ultimately hearts will be open to receive what you have in store for us today father i pray that you continue to bless both the message and the messenger as we continue just to dive into your word to see more of the revelation of what you have in store for us to equip us for the journey ahead in jesus name we pray amen 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 again why i find interesting about that particular scripture in first john chapter 2 16 to 18 it tells us that All this is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but of the world. And as I was looking at this, it's a sermon I've had for a a long while, and it just felt fitting, I just felt the Holy Spirit just... um, Really, really, just kind of minister to me and really say that this is something I'd really love for you to share with the church and the congregation today. And, this, and the title of today's sermon is, "What is Your Last Language?" What is your Last Language?" If you're sitting with somebody as you're listening to the sermon, just give them a little nudge and just ask them, "What's your last language?" I'm sure they might not say nothing to you. If there's nobody there, just literally just nudge the air and just look to your side or look in the mirror and ask yourself, "What's your last language?" You see, when we talk about lost languages, we are seeing that there is a book that's entitled The Five Love Languages. And uh, many people say, oh, this is my love language, or whether it's uh, words of affirmation or physical touch or gifts or acts of service and the like. And many times when people speak about their love language, what they're saying is that the best way to communicate to me, the best way to communicate to me in a way that I can respond or I feel alive or I feel triggered or I, I feel in tune it's for you to understand my love language. I remember one time I was speaking to my mom and I was just sharing about, Mom, man, you really did this. You're really an amazing mom. I love the way you did this and did that. And as I was sharing with her, she was like, "Oh, she, she started smiling. And she sure, was like, "Oh." I said, Mom, well, let me ask you a question. She said, what? I said, is one of your love languages words of affirmation? She said, wow, yeah, it is. How did you know? And I went on to describe to her that as I was speaking, she just seemed to come alive. But as I've seen in here, I realize that it's one thing to understand what our love languages may be, but it's also another thing to be aware of what our lust languages may be. What are the things that trigger us? What are the things that awaken us? See here that what is lust? Some of you might be asking. Lust is defined <coughs> excuse me. Lust is defined as a strong desire for something or someone. Uh, to feel an intense desire. And some usually would use examples of those desires as maybe sexual desires or a deep drive, a longing to really possess something. And at times, something that is either not your own or something that shouldn't be desired or sorry, something that shouldn't be possessed in that particular moment in time. The Greek word for lust, or there are many Greek words, but one of a few that I'll pick out for you is epithemo, which is a desire or something to lust after to have a passionate longing for. And when I began to see this, I began to realize, well, wow, lust is, is something very interesting. We live in a time and, a, and an age where that everyone's like, yeah, just really go for these things. You just desire all these things. But we need to really ask ourselves Are some of the, the things that we desire. Are they godly or are they worldly? As we see in verse, um, in the latter part of that verse where it tells us that these things are not of the Father. And verse 17 of that scripture says, "The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he does, but he who does the will of God abides forever." We're seeing that the will of God is eternal, but lust is temporary. But the thing is, lust can feel so potent. It really has a great pull on our heartstrings and on our flesh and on our desire. And if we don't put lust in the right bracket and if we don't find out how to discipline, if not also destroy the very things that might ultimately aim to destroy us, we may never get to the destination that God has for us. Lust. We see that they say that lust is one of the seven deadly sins with the others being gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and even pride. And the more I studied, the more I looked, the more I realized that these things are also still all connected to lust in one way, shape, or form. Here are a few lusts that many of us or people struggle with in and around the world, both in the faith and those that are not in the faith. Addictive substances in seasons for people. Addictive substances or, or, or alcohol abuse. Pornography. Food. Food. In the term of gluttony, when you almost over-desire for something, and even when full, you still want more. You have no self-control of these things. The the lust for money, greed, greed. I remember watching um, a, a movie, and it was um it wasn't it was one of the movies of one of the guys from Wall Street, <coughs> and they asked him, "What's your number? What's your number? As in, what what what's the number that you want to get to that you'll be satisfied?" And his answer was more. His answer was more. Because the soul is never satisfied as the book of Ecclesiastes always reminds us. We're always chasing the wind. We are never satisfied. Another one is the lust for power or position. And one that people coin that is quite common is sexual lusts. Lust. Lust. I want to run through a few about seven points with you all today with the first point being let's break down First John chapter 2, 16 to 18. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the idol, and the pride of life. The flesh, the physical fallen nature of man. We are born into this world. And we have certain desires, almost as children. Sometimes you try to take something from a child. No, it's mine, it's mine. And they cry that there's this desire, this possession, this element of ownership. Sometimes you almost have to teach these. No, share, learn to share. But we sometimes look at these kids, oh, look how innocent they are. But if they had the strength of an adult, what damage could they do? The eyes, the desire, the mentality, the physicality, the the, the, the emotional of the things that we want, the things that we crave, the things that we are willing to almost, as some people say, die for. And the last one, pride, the pride of life. To have control or possession or position, and when you begin to have a concoction of these things, it can grow into an idol and a foundation that can not only destroy the very thing that you desire but it can destroy everything in and around it, lust lust, lust it says the flesh the lust of the flesh is also one of the foes that we may fight with, the lust of the flesh is the very thing that pulls us so many in, in so many different ways, that, yeah I really want that as I was thinking of this, I always remember myself of when I was in college and me and the boys and sometimes we'll go out and we might see that wonderful, beautiful, curvaceous looking female that walks by us like, oh, yeah. And then sometimes our friends, our female friends might slap us, hey man, face forward, what are you looking at? No, no, nothing. You see there is a lack of almost self-control where as much as we are looking this way, there's something that seems to keep pulling our necks and turning us to see these very things. The, the flesh, the pull. And sometimes we say, but this is what I want. And then we live in a world that says that follow your heart's desires. Not knowing that worldly desires will soon lead to our destruction. We need to be aware of the lust of the flesh and the damages it could cause to our lives. The lust of the eyes occurs when we see something visual that incites us. We can covet through these things. It could breed jealousy and at times it can really pull on what we see as a, a, a sexual sort of lust for those that might find that, you know what, I, I really want this. And we need to learn to control these lusts because it can do damage to us. I'll share with you a brief story of when I was in uni and uh, there was a guy, I wasn't saved at the time, and my, my, my cousin's friend was there with us and as we was walking, we was walking and there was a few attractive females that were walking past us and, yes, me, Pastor Emmanuel that you see today wasn't a Pastor manual of old. And I remember turning and looking, and as I looked back, I was trying to explain to him, like, wow, did you see her? And as I said that to him, he, he was walking, his head was down. I was thinking, What's wrong with this guy, bro? Like, there's nothing wrong with just taking one look. He had his head down, like, Why is your head down, bro? He said, No, I need to protect myself. I need to guard my eyes. I need to not look. I was like, wow. I was thinking, You're weak, man. Look at you. You're acting like, Go look at the ground. And I was thinking, But I'm mean, a man. This is what men do. This is what we can do. Come on. This is our nature. But he knew that the Lord and Savior, that he had in his heart, was willing to, he was willing to run with, he was willing to guard his heart through his eyes. And as we see the pride of life, again, arrogance, self-promotion, greed, and position, and ultimately wanting things. And we see that even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And I'm going to fly through it because there's some key things that we see here that happened with Eve. It goes on to say in verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts in the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree in this garden? And what a woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Eat and touch lest you die. You see, but before you can eat something, you need to see where it's positioned. How are we guiding our eyes because we could see that she was allured, she was pulled to this very thing that was ultimately going to bring a change in the position that she found her and her husband in within the Garden of Eden. Further down, jump with me. Verse three. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, or, or lest you die. Sorry, verse four. Then the serpent said to the woman, You wouldn't surely die. You wouldn't surely die. I say this because sometimes our lost languages, the things that may trigger us to want to pursue certain things, to want to almost find passion and, uh, and fulfillment, temporary fulfillment in such things, it tells us that if I take a little bit, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't really affect us. But we forget that sometimes the devil offers us sin without seeing the price tag of that sin. We need to remember that we are free to make the choices we want to make, but we are not always free from the consequences of our choice. Position. And these are the vices of life that may trigger us and ultimately make us fall astray. Point number two. You can cleanse yourself of dishonor by revealing, repenting, and pursuing righteousness. You can cleanse your, yourself of dishonor by revealing, repenting, And pursuing righteousness, what do I mean by that? Before we can be restored, we must first reveal. Lord, what's happening in my heart? Lord, what's going on in my life? Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 to 22. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honor and some for dishonor. Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He would be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Verse 22, flee from your youthful lusts. Flee from your youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who are, caught, sorry, for those who are on call for the Lord. For, sorry, pardon me. For those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You can only truly call out of the Lord out of a pure heart when you reveal what's already in your heart. Because when we first, we must first reveal before we can be healed. And when we, re- we reveal, we can then share that with the Lord and say that, Lord, I want to turn away from this very darkness, this very thing within me that seems to allure me and pull me to the things that I know that doesn't please you. And what does it say in 22? Flee from your youthful lusts. I shared with you my teen years just looking back, oh, my youthful lust, my, my, the lust of my youth, the, the habits of my youth, thinking that these are the things that I desired and these, these are the things that just made me, this is who I am. And sometimes we say, don't judge me, only God can judge me. And as I say, if you believe and you're one of those people that say only God can judge you, and that doesn't scare you, that is a very, very big problem. That is a very, very big problem. Because what it says is that flee from your youthful lust. I love what it tells us. It gives us two parts. It tells us what to flee from, but it also tells us what to pursue. It says pursue righteousness. And what does Matthew 6.33 tell us? Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And then everything else will be added onto you. We must learn to seek God and turn away from the very thing that might seem to satisfy us in a period or a season. Point number three, be watchful over what you are watching. Be watchful over what you are watching. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman that looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his heart. I remember seeing this and again, there was a story of my, my cousin who was saved and we were just having a conversation, we were talking and we just went out and as we were walking and talking, she's like, Manny, I'm talking to you. Why, you. why are you looking around? I'm like, oh, sorry, cousin. Yeah." And I'm like, but, cuz, come on, man, I'm behaving myself. I'm not like I'm doing anything with them. And then I remember her reminding me of this verse. She's like, yeah, but l- look, what, l- look what this verse says. I'm like, oh, come on, man, no, stop preaching to me, cuz, man, allow it. All this time you're always preaching to me. I don't need to. She's like, yeah, but look what this verse says. It's not only about the act, it's about the thought. And one of the things I always employ us as saints is that no matter where your loved ones, friends and family are in their walk with Christ, or even if they don't know Christ at all, please continue to share the truth with them, even if it means that they reject you. Because at that moment in time, her reminding me and rebuking me might have been really challenging, but the seed that was sown continues to flourish and I thank God for it. We need to be careful of what we watch. To last is sometimes a want to want something that doesn't belong to us. A last is sometimes to, to, to really, really pursue the things of this world that we think that would, would really, 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 really gratify our being, but ultimately it's something that makes us drift even further away from the King of Kings. As I said again, and as I'll say it again, and it's one thing I always hold on to, we are free to make the choices we want to make, but we are not always free from the consequences of our choice. Even looking back, even looking back, even just looking for a second time, even just saying that, well, oh, just looking doesn't hurt because the more you do that, what you're doing, you're beginning to cultivate a habit that is soon going to bring something that would hurt you. We must be aware of our heart's position. Point number four, be sober and remember that you are not alone in the battle. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 12. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering that is experienced by your brotherhood in the world, but may the God of all grace, who has, called you, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered for a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. And I love this scripture. Because as I was looking at the scripture, and I, and, I, and I was reading it, and it says that the same suffering is experienced by the brotherhood around the world. My mind made me look at it from a slightly different context. That sometimes as believers, when you're going through challenges, you believe that sometimes you're the only one that goes through it. And you, you don't want to share with your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. You don't want to show them because you're, you're embarrassed. I don't want to share with them that I wrestle with porn. I don't want to share with them that I backslid again. I don't want to share. I, I feel, it feels that like I'm the only one going through this. And one of the dangers is that the enemy has a way of trying to speak to you with, at the sound of your own voice. That when you're thinking something, you think it's you. But sometimes it's the enemy almost trying to make it sound like it to you, to entice you onto something just like the serpent did. But God said to Eve, but God said, you wouldn't surely die. But just turning that thing on, it wouldn't hurt you. And there's a misconception that those that really wrestle with lust are those that are single. But we're also seeing that people that are even married will also find challenges in these areas. Challenges of, of pride, of position, challenges of pornography, challenges... Because sometimes what happens is that even in a married life, you're having the challenges of not only looking after yourself, you're looking after your spouse. For those that have kids, you're looking after the kids, then you're going to work and you're trying to juggle all these things. And then when you juggle all these things, you feel exhausted. And at times you feel burnt out. And feeling burnt out, even at times you're even not even in a position, in the season you might find yourself in your marriage, to share that with your spouse. And what do you do? You look for something temporary to satisfy the soul. But only... It bears sin that could bring destruction to one's union and their marriage. Please be aware that lust is a dangerous thing and it can creep up on us and we must learn to find it and deal with it. Do you know your lust language? What is your lust language? Point number five. Your lustful desires could lead you to death. Your lustful desires could lead you to death. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 14 through to 17. (coughs) Excuse me. James chapter 1, verse 14 through to 17. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I'll stop there for a moment. I was underlining this. It says each one, which means for each one, we must be accountable and take ownership for what we may be wrestling with. Each one is tempted. Yes, we are all tempted. The enemy tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. We are tempted and he is drawn away. The temptation leads to something, cause and effect. Cause, temptation, effect, drawn away. Drawn away by whose desires? His own desires. But I love what it puts there. His own desires and it says enticed. Mm, That's enticing. I, I, I like mm, that's that's nice enticed it almost brings you to like do I want this no I don't even want this but then it looks oh okay maybe I, I kind of want to just let me just look a little bit more you're enticed by this very thing now verse 15 then when your desire is conceived desire is conceived You are pregnant. When your desire, your worldly desire is conceived, it brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. You're pregnant with something now. There's a period in time that you need to deliver the very thing you are pregnant with. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it started so small. It started so microscopic. And that desire birthed sin the lust took you to a place that it birthed sin and when sin became full grown it brings forth death this could be death in your place of work this could be death in one's marriage this could be death to one's sanity this could be death with one's family this could be death to one's ministry this could be death to one's calling please we must be aware of these things and what does it tell us in the latter part in verse 16 to 17 do not be deceived my beloved Do not be deceived, my beloved. A skill set on the enemy's CV is deception. Do not let that skill set be employed within your own life that it brings destruction to you. Do not be deceived, my beloved. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's from above. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's everlasting. It's it's, it's greater joy. And and there there is a joy that comes with it that you understand that you don't even need to look back and regret. As I always say that, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember the lie. If you live from a place of of, of joy and a place with the peace of God, there is no repentance for it. There is no element, oh, why did I do this? Because the problem with lust is that sometimes lust in and of itself can last for a moment. But the problem and the stain could go and flow into multiple seasons. Do not allow yourself to be in such a place because it can bring death into your thinking. It can bring death into your scope. It can bring death to your level of focus. And then everything else begins to crumble around you. Point number six, reflection and introspection. Reflection and introspection. Join, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through to 17. And I'm going to be jumping through some of the verses from 1 through to 17. And you guys can read that in your own time. But know this, that in the last days and the perilous times will come. For men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, um, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Slanderers, sorry. Without self-control. Again, without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god having a form of godliness but denying its power when i saw that it just reminded me of this this sermon i was putting together what is your love languages because why sometimes people that may be wrestling with certain lusts in seasons they know god because they have a form of godliness but they may deny his power denying god's power also makes you forget god's position makes you forget God's justice, makes you forget God's wrath, as well as God's love and mercy. We must be aware of these things. And it says, from such people, turn away. From such people, turn away. But you know what? Some of those such people is ourselves. And therefore, we must need to turn away from our old selves, to repent and turn away from our old selves and turn to God so that we can be restored. For all sorts of creep, of, so verse six. For all these sorts of those who creep in and around a household and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various what lusts. Please, for those that are celebrating Valentine's Day, do not allow such creeping things creep into our own lives. Please do not allow such exes that you've allowed a barrier and a border and a boundary to be put up. Do not allow that the boundary to be put up, but the door is left open. Please make sure that we are not found gullible and lost in the hands of the things that we may lust after, because we can soon lose our senses. Verse 8. Now Janes and Jabrez resisted Moses. So do these also. Res- so, so, and they do these also. Men of corrupt minds. Disapproved concerning in the faith. That they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifested to all. As their desires also. Their folly will be manifested. Folly. Foolishness. To last after something soon will be looking at left as fools why did i do that i pray to god that he can cover our cover us with his mercy but ultimately i pray to god that his grace and the holy spirit reminds us to come to a place of repentance because we could be left out why did i do that why did i do that jump down with me to verse 12 it says yes all who desire to live godly in christ will suffer persecution i want to add to that I want you to look at it from this way. All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer the fact that some of your worldly passions will have to die. Ugh, I want to do this. For, it's going to have to die. It's going to have to die. It's going to have to die. If you want to live Christ, like it's going to have to die, verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. They will deceive people and they will be deceived. That's a double whammy. That's two problems for the price of one. And we're seeing this and I'm looking, I'm like, wow, Lord. But jump with me to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for what? Doctrine? For reproof? For correction? For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. For us to be equipped in all the good work, we are finding it in scripture. We are finding it in the word of God. We are finding it in his truth. We are finding it in his power and in his love and in his provision. And the last point, point number seven. Point number seven, I've called COD mode. Search it, cut it, kill it, then cultivate. Some of you are like, COD mode, what does that mean? For those that are really big players of the game, COD stands for COD, call of duty. It is a call for duty. It is a call for you to take action in your own life, to search the very thing that could potentially throw you off course, to cut the very thing, to kill it, and ultimately then cultivate a Christ-like nature within you so that the very thing doesn't come back to throw you off course. Psalms chapter 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Know my anxieties. Some versions say, know my thoughts. Because loss starts in the mind. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. See if there's anything in me, Lord, that can take me to go astray, that can make me go, of course, and lead me to a path of everlasting. See, we, we, we need to be searched. We need to see this very thing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through to 30. It says, You have heard, and it is said, that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks on a woman with lust has already committed it in his heart. Yeah, I've been guilty of that. Committed it. Guilty in your heart. Sometimes you feel that, like, but nobody saw me. But, the, but God sees you. You see, the funny thing is that if you even go onto social media apps like Instagram and you go and look at your history, it will show you very things that you've liked. Even if you haven't liked it, what you are not even aware of is that the algorithms can see the things that you've saved and guess what it's going to do? The algorithms will now go and find multiple other things on the basis of what you've saved to now bring it more into your site. We need to be very careful. Because if we don't find these things and cut it out and pluck it, it can bring damage to our soul, damage into our life, damage into our character. The next um, scripture I want you to look at is Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. Cultivate Christ within you. Cultivate Christ within you. So that one I was talking about plucking it and cutting it, which was Matthew chapter five, verse twenty-seven through to thirty. And the next one, as I said, is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. To cultivate Christ within you. But I, have been, but I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. And, and the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God you're still in the flesh. You can't run from this flesh, this flesh that is weary, this flesh that is fading away, this tent, as Paul calls it, it's, it, it this flesh is it's just here for a temporary moment in time. But because you must live by faith, you must hold on to the fact that, you know, temporary desires, temporary pleasures are not even worthy compared to who God is. You must understand you need to weigh up the options. Who loves me and gave his life for me. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are, are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if you find virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Keyword: meditate. Whatever you meditate on is what will grow and gain momentum. I'll say it again. Whatever you meditate on is what will grow and gain momentum. We need to meditate on the things of God. As I said, we must first search, then we cut out, then we kill, and then we cultivate. I've died with Christ and I've risen with him. Galatians 5 verse, sorry, excuse me, Galatians chapter two, verse three. Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit. But of loneliness of mind, let each one esteem others above themselves. Why did I share that? Because I've learned that sometimes one of the ways to kill your lust is by always focusing on being from in a position of service. That, that woman that you're like, oh, I like her, I want to speak to her. Before you want to speak to her and pray on her, are you praying for her? Are you seeing her as first as your sister? Are you seeing that guy first as your brother before you're like, I want to kind of entice this guy here? Are you from a place of service rather than competing with somebody like, I want to get one over them? Why don't you see, look from a position of how you can serve them? Why not share resources like, hey, I know we might be in similar businesses or we're in similar fields, but that's something I just wanted to show you. I believe this can aid you because when you do that, guess what? That, that, that lustful desire, that, that ungodly competition within you can soon die and you can live and live from a place of harmony, live from a place of fullness. Because guess what? You can never, you can never exhaust serving people. Next scripture, um, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh walk in the spirit if you're wrestling with we'll this say Holy Spirit give me strength Holy Spirit give me guidance I remember we we sang a song earlier in the, in the beginning that Holy Spirit you are welcome here ask the Holy Spirit to be welcome here ask the Holy Spirit to be welcome into your being ask the Holy Spirit to override any lustful desires that want to take control of you Romans 8 chapter Romans chapter 8 verse 6 and I always tell people when I find myself in a season where I might be wrestling in the flesh I always say to my mentees and my friends are like Romans 8 is on my plate Romans 8 is on my plate. Whenever I might find myself in those seasons, you'll find me in the book of Romans. So Romans 8, verse 6 says, for the carnally minded is death, but the spiritually minded is life and peace. I love that. Because when you cultivate the spirit of God, it brings a minimum of two things, life and peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. When people go, you're still single and you're like nearly you're like, how, how are you still? Well, you don't want to just dabble in this. You don't want to have a child out of wedlock to try and trap that person. Or you don't want to just try and trap that woman. Or you, or you don't want to just, just do a bit of fraud so that you can just live a little and live a life that is, is pleasing, man. Come on, everyone's laughing at you. But it is better to be laughed at man but for the Lord to say, well done and good and faithful servant. Because the carny mind is death, but the spirit, is, the spirit the spiritual mind is life and peace. And I want to leave you, as as I said, with a point here. Just like love languages have a way of triggering our emotions, the same way lusts can trigger us. Do you know your lust language? Within the sinful flesh, when you're pursuing worldly desires, please do not allow the enemy to take your mind to pursue something that God has told you is not aligned with his promise for you. Make sure you know your lustful triggers so that you can deal with them rather than be lost and led astray I pray ultimately that we understand that we will not serve our lusts but will serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ the one and only who truly took away the sins of the world who took away the loss of this world the lust of this world the things of this world is fleeting the pursuit of worldly possessions in order to look down on people to feel puffed up will only lead to a greater pride. But I pray that when we find ourselves in the position and in the posture to honour God and to, to worship him in truth and in spirit, we'll find a true eternal prize that God has for both you and I in Jesus' name. Bow your heads with me as I pray.